love half the people in this room. It's nice to see, and who we haven't met yet, we will, we will start. We're, it, I, I'm still on Houston time, but it's exactly two hours. Is it time to start? Are we good? Well, good morning. My name is Ann Bayless, and I am very, very pleased to be here. I am um, a woman who is in ministry in Houston, Texas, at one of the oldest churches of Christ in the city. We rebranded ourselves to the church at 1548 Heights simply because every single church on Heights Boulevard calls themselves Heights. So if you look us up, we are the church at 1548 Heights Boulevard because when someone wants to know where you are in the Church of Christ, you give them your address in the South. This morning, I'm, I'm just very pleased to have this conversation about communal prayer. There are many ways to pray, and there are, uh, and they all matter. There is uh, a move in our movement toward contemplative prayer for us to quiet ourselves and go deep with God. Then there is congregational prayer, and thank you, Tiffany, for helping me suss this out. Congregational prayer would be during church, where we would um, elect one person to speak to God on behalf of everybody. So maybe church starts, and you have somebody in your church. In our church, we're very egalitarian in, in nature and structure, so someone would stand up to pray on behalf of everybody, but everybody would not be praying. And what I want to uh, share with you today is a different kind of praying, which is congregational praying. And so if you would um, start this off with me with prayer, we're going to ask the Lord to come and give us a shared vision. Lord God, we just love you so much. And we are grateful for the privilege to be here. We are grateful that you love us. Father God, I'm so, I am so privileged and honored to be with my brothers and sisters, some I know and some I'm just meeting. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would unite us in a new vision. And I thank you, God, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not sure how many of you are pastors. Are any of you pastors in this church? Wonderful. So I don't really want to embarrass anybody, but we're a small group. And so how many of you have a designated prayer meeting just for the congregation to come and pray? Do any of you have that? Okay. Wonderful. I hope that what I share with you today will be helpful and meaningful. And uh, so I'm going to take us through some texts, and then I'm going to show you what we do at our church, and we will do some of that interactively. Um, I'm not exactly sure when the Church of Christ decided that prayer, a prayer meeting meant a Bible study, um, but we have our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, and so I'm going to just lovingly say that sometimes the Church of Christ reminds me, as uh, Ronald Rolfheiser says in his book, uh, we're still Mary Magdala trying to cling to an old body even as she is looking at the new reality. Okay. And so we want to cling to our traditions and who we know and who can do what. And today what I'm inviting you to is just to listen to a new way. So we have been studying about David 
And even though I would rather start off the scripture from 1 Samuel 2, because that is where Hannah is praying, we're going to look at um, 2 Samuel 2, and I'm going to read. If you have your Bible, you are welcome to read, but it's perfectly fine to listen to what was meant to be heard. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said, Unto Hebron. So David went up thither. So we see this is a scripture that we don't want to just take out of the thin air. And so that means that we have to put it in context. And the context starts with those words after this. So just, just for context's sakes, because we don't want to make something out of this that isn't there, this means and refers to the fact that De, uh, Saul and Jonathan have both just been killed. They are dead, and Israel is on the verge of collapse. They're very tribal, as you all know, and they fight back and forth. And uh, at this point in time, David isn't king of Israel, and he knows that he has to, he's, he's canny, and he knows that he has to have God on his side. I believe he is a man of God. And so he's making alliances, and he is just going up to ask God, where do I go? Because the land where he was was now back, back in the hand of the Philistines. And so uh, he has just lamented the deaths of his good friend, Jonathan. And, you know, I, I'm... Not, I'm a product of my time. David's a product of his time. He's not my favorite person. I, I appreciate him, but we whitewash him a lot, and he calls Saul the great hero. <laughs> and so let's just take this with what it is, is that what we know is that he laments, and this lament goes forth, and when he's done lamenting, then he goes up to ask God what to do. Well, now, I find it interesting that when he says to God, where do I go, the very first thing God says is go up. I grew up in the Midwest, and um, when my dad would go up yonder, that meant he went up to the warehouse, up the street. When I lived in Minnesota, you go up north. This is not that kind of up. This is a directional go up. And I kind of wondered if he was at Pepperdine. I'm sorry, I've never been here before. It was like, oh my, I've got stairs to climb. Go up, said God. And it's like, oh, okay. But in this case, I really believe this is the message that I wanted to hear today, is that if you're going to inquire of God, you're going to ask him a specific question and listen for an answer. So when you're listening to God, you need to, to listen and clarify if we're not asking as churches what God wants us to do or where he wants us to go or what he wants us to be, we are directional, directional, we don't have a direction. You know what I mean. So when he's saying go up and then go out into Hebron, David has asked him to clarify where. And then the next thing you know, in the scriptures, it says, he took his whole family and he went. He went thither. And, and I'm like, okay, that's King James English in my Bible. But he, thizzer, he thithered, he thithered. 
And that's why we have a different version. So here's what I want us to step out of and think about your own congregations, that you are representative. David wasn't just a man who went before God. He represented the people that came to him and said, I want, we want you. And he had enemies, and he had people who were also vying for that. He had the weak son of Saul. He had Abner, who was a general. And they are all vying for a position. And I don't know if you've ever even been in church lately, but sometimes the vying that goes on in our churches is crazy. I mean, we had to change hymnals once, and we had, we had a big deal over shape notes or round notes. And it's like, what, we should have been praying about what kind of music we were going to sing. And so there is this call where we need to learn. Now, what does it look like to you to listen to God? Because a lot of times when you come and pray, and I'm not, and I really, I'm not accusing or pointing fingers, but I've heard people pray in the same thing, the same way, the same time. And um, in the old days, I bet you guys, some of you, uh, my friends could say, guard, guide, and guard, guide, and direct us. It was the code that said, guard, guide, and direct us. And it's a lovely prayer, but it isn't really a prayer. It's a heartfelt uh, Hallmark card. And, and it's lovely, and God is glad to get your cards. But what if God wanted to say to you, I want to change everything you're doing. I'm going to change your location. How would you hear God say that? So I want to share with you a little bit about how I hear, and I'm going to share a little bit about my own prayer life so that this kind of maybe makes a little bit more sense. When I was in my early 20s, I was a baby hippie, and um, I crashed myself on the rocks. And I was like a woman abandoned and scorned. And um, when you find yourself in that position, if you're me, you pray. And as I prayed, I recognized the love of God in my life. I recognized that God was with me. Jesus loved me, even when he didn't need to, even when that wasn't something I would have done. Jesus was there. And one day, as I was on the campus, I didn't know anybody in Minnesota, and I went on campus, and I was a wreck. I was a wreck. I was poor. I didn't have any skills. But I could type, and in the day, if you got a temporary job with an office, you could be a typist. So I went in, and I was so anxious in the day, I could barely function. And my hands shook so badly that when I sat in front of an electric typewriter, and my hands just shook like this, they hit the typewriter keys, and I was mortified. It wasn't just typewriter keys for me, it was that I was a failure on every front. And I ran out of that building sobbing and crying and just full of self-loathing. And I, in the day, um, I was in my early 20s and I remember I, I saw Episcopal Center on a building and so I thought, well, there's Christians in there, I'll go. And believe it or not, I, was, I could not bear to be looked at. It just, it was like, it was painful. And so I realized that I am worse off than I thought I was. And across the street was a Christian coffee house. And I went in there and I grabbed a newspaper. And I sat down 
with this newspaper and a prayer. This was a very private prayer for me. I did not know anybody in the city. And I, my prayer was this. God, if you do not take me to Christian friends, I am going to die. And this was where do I go? And I looked in the newspaper, and there were places for people to meet up. And, you know, in the day, uh, quite a while ago, um, different groups that I recognized on campus. But there was one I didn't, and I, I didn't recognize it. But when I got home that afternoon, I had forgotten my newspaper. The only place I could remember to go was the place that was uh, the one I didn't understand. And so I remember walking into Mayo Building, and I'm very defended. I've been hurt. And let me tell you, I didn't want anybody to like me. So I was like this. You will not get to know me. And I walked in, and I remember I had these big hoop earrings on and a flannel shirt. You know, I'm tough. And I walk in, and I don't know anybody. And the minister was a little bit older than I was. And at the end of the service, wouldn't you know, I'd walk into a charismatic service. And he said to me, um, God has a word. God, it doesn't hurt. And I'm like, oh, I know it's for me. And he said, would, would, would the woman in the flannel shirt and the big hoop earrings just come to the front? And I did. And I will never, ever, ever forget what he said to me. First of all, he, he started with the scripture. And I, I did not know this man from a hole in the wall. And he never laid eyes on me. He started by giving me a scripture that the Lord had given me when I lived in Northern California and had first come to the Lord. He quoted that scripture to me from Jeremiah. And God had my attention. Suddenly, I'm weeping. And the word of the Lord to me was, I have seen you running to and fro this day, and I have heard your cry, and I will heal you. And I will make your words mean even more. There was more to that prayer, but I was crying so hard. I don't remember what they were, and I just hope that God isn't, you know, I hope he's holding those words for me. But my introduction to prayer was first God speaking to me. I've, I see you. You matter. When nobody else saw me, and if they did, it was painful. And so I started going to this church where their um, ethic was prayer and evangelism. And so every week we gathered to intercede and pray, and Jim Bradford taught us how to pray. It was a time where you praise God, you would worship God, you could be on your face. We would expect to hear from God, and then we would um, wait, and we would all pray at once. And so I learned how to do this, and... I was really kind of shocked when God took me into the Church of Christ, just saying, it was a different world 30 years ago, 30, 34 years ago, and suddenly I can't do anything, right? I, and I remember I went to the mountain and said, really? Really? You go into a southern rich church? And he goes, yeah. I went, okay. God said, go up to Bering Drive. It was one of the greatest blessings of my life because it was filled with Bible scholars and people who taught me the Word of God in a way that I didn't have and, and loved me and my kids. And uh, my dear friend Rose uh, Marie came with me this week. We raised our children together. So as God 
worked this tribe in me and throughout and, and forward. Um, the Lord took the land there and then about eight years ago called me over to minister at what is now the church at 1548 Heights. Um, I'm going to be very honest with you all. That church was pitiful and I loved it. I loved everything about it. It was the it was tiny. There were maybe 15 people. We had uh, always a third of us were off the street, homeless, out, just out of jail, Christians, and we loved them. And I'll never forget my first week when Dave Wiggins, Randy's dad, said, well, what are we going to do? And I went, I don't know, but I know this, we're going to pray. So we started on that Wednesday night, eight years ago, and we have been praying as a congregation ever since. And I want to take us into a little bit of New Testament here with us because what is prayer and how is congregational prayer? How does this work? Just because I did it doesn't mean anything if it isn't scriptural. Well, Dallas Willard is one of my favorite theologians. If you're a Dallas Willard fan, some of you probably knew Dallas Willard. I met him, but he said, one of my favorite quotes is, prayer is communication with God about something that we are doing together. And back when God and I weren't doing anything together, we didn't have anything to talk about. So find something good and talk about it with God. It's just that simple. It's just having this conversation with God. So in communal prayer, we have to... This is, this is the theological part that I sort of get and I sort of understand, and I'm going to lay this out there because I am not the expert, but this is what I believe that um, in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, this is where Jesus is his last words, so it's important. And it's invitational to all of us to abide. And so there's this element of community. God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, church. We are a y'all back home. So it's not me, I'm going to God, but I do, just like you do. But this is an invitation that Christ is in you. And you don't create your church. It's already created. The body of Christ is already created, right? So you don't have to, to manufacture this. You are part of the Trinity with him. And, and I'm trying to envision this in my head, and I thought of those Russian dolls. You know, they stack, and you've got God, and then you open it up, and there's another one in there, and there's another one, and maybe a little baby one. And so this picture of community prayer is how I look at this. And it's like, well, why don't we all just go home and pray by ourselves? We're comfortable with that. I, I don't want to uh, draw attention to myself. I don't like praying out loud. I'm an introvert. That's why I'm in the Church of Christ. I'd rather study a book. Uh, and I pray, thank you very much, just not out loud. Um, so here's a very good reason why we come together to pray. We are a picture of who God is. 
to one another. So when you have an issue to pray about, and it's a bigger burden for you than you can carry, you can bring that to your brothers and sisters, and they each have different gifts. So some of you are very gifted at the word. You've spent your life studying it. And some of you have a word of encouragement. And some of the rest of you are very good with practical knowledge. And so the church comes together as a group, not to uh, throw up a list. I asked a woman today, or yesterday, I said, what, what do you think of when you hear um, con congregational prayer, communal prayer, and just like that? She's a preacher's wife. She says, well, I see a a blackboard with a list of people who are sick, and we all talk about how they're sick, and, and then some, one person prays. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. So I want to talk a little bit about how tucked in that scripture, and this is the challenge for everybody who's ever walked the earth, tucked in the book of John, Jesus said, if you abide with me, if you love me, you abide with me, I'll give you whatever you ask. Really? Then why are we not asking, right? Um, he doesn't just say it once. He says it more than once. Now, I have been in a lot of prayer times. I've been in a lot of prayer meetings. I've been in places where uh, there might have been just two or three of us, but we were praying. And this is challenging because I've come to the conclusion that when we come to pray, you know what, I know what y'all want. I know, I know exactly what you want when you come to pray. You want an answer. That's why you pray, right? You know what, I've, I've come to believe what God wants is for you to ask. I want you to ask. So I'm by way of telling this story. When I was in California, and I want to talk um, a little bit about the corporate and the private, because it's not either or. It's not either or, it should be both and. Um, I came back to the Lord, I bought a Bible, I didn't know anything about the Bible, and in this Bible, the Lord would teach me. I didn't know anything, I mean, I really didn't. Um, it comforted me. Uh, it gave me scriptures. I remember before I came back to the Lord, I asked my preacher, now this is pitiful, people, but I did come from a small town. I asked my preacher, will you please just tell me where in the Bible it says it's inspired? I really want to believe it. He didn't know. He didn't know. I asked my grandmother. She didn't know. They loved God, but they didn't know the Bible either. I just, it was one of my you know, I'm an angry young woman, and I am not going into a church because y'all are going to tell me what a jerk I am. I know that. Well, God did it anyway, and I wound up on this mountain working with juvenile delinquent kids, and I kind of was one, uh, but I was older and could hide it better, I suppose. And my mother sent me $5, and I got a Bible, and I remember being so excited. Do you remember when you first got your Bible and you were excited to read it, maybe every day for some of you. And I, I went into this room and I opened it up and it opened up to 2 Timothy 3.15. For all scriptures given by inspiration of God. I danced around the room. I'm a 21-year-old and I'm thrilled. I felt like God answered my prayer. 
I'm thrilled. I love this Bible. Well, fast forward to Minnesota, and I'm at a women's retreat. And it comes time for the women's retreat to be over, and I can't find my Bible. It is nowhere to be found. And communally, I ask my sisters, oh, please pray with me. I need my Bible. And I remember we held hands, and I said, Lord, how may I find my Bible? And we have to leave, right? And I, and I said, God, just put it in my suitcase. Put it in my suitcase. When I get home, I'll get it. Put it in my suitcase. So we go back to Minneapolis, and it's late by the time we get home. And, you know, the suitcase goes up against the wall, and I'm tired. Next day, there's, my roommates had gone off to work, and I opened my suitcase. Now, I'm just getting no show of hands, but how many of you thought my Bible was in the suitcase? <laughs> you know, uh, it was not. It was not. And it made me mad. And I was stomped. I just threw a snit fit. I stomped into the living room. I don't know why. And I went, really? Really? How hard can it be? Really, God, one Bible. How hard could it be? You created everything. I want my Bible. You know how important that Bible was to me. And you know, like a tantrum kind of wears itself out. You kind of go, ooh. I still had to put my clothes away. So I went back in my bedroom, and guess what? There it was. This is it. Laying on top of my clothes in my suitcase. And I thanked God. We didn't have to fake it. We didn't have to make it. It's like, praise you, God. Now, I can almost read minds when I say this. Really, Anne, it's a Bible. I've prayed for people, and they died. I prayed for this and that. Well, let me tell you another story. My brother got cancer, and I prayed for him. That hundreds of people prayed for him. And six months to the day of his diagnosis, to the day he died, he died. But here's the difference. My brother was saved. My Bible was lost. And I had nothing to do with this. I couldn't even find it, let alone make it happen in my suitcase. But what this did was it gave me the faith that I could contend with God over something that meant a lot to me that maybe didn't mean so much to anybody else. And I could contend with God and say, I, I believed you. And God answered. And it has given me the faith that I have needed for cards like this. And please pray for Kelsey Baker. She's 26 and very ill with cancer. You know, that's, this is a Bible. It's marked 1976 in the front of it. It's just a gift from God. But church, we're missing out if we don't come together and build one another's faith through community prayer. I could say that I did this and you might think, no, you didn't, you're lying. But I prayed communally. All those people know. I, I didn't have my Bible with me. So community prayer will keep you humble. It will also build you up. It will take something that's way too big for one person, and it will help you shoulder the burdens as we are called to do. 
So if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to tell you about how we do our prayer meetings in case you want to do this at your churches. It's not the only way to do a prayer meeting, and it's been trial and error. But I do want to share. Is that okay? We do some things? Okay. Thank you. Um, as human beings, we like patterns. And uh, this is not a one-size-fits-all. But human beings need some predictability. So as, as I lay this out here, I want to just kind of lay the form of how we do prayer. So we meet on Wednesday night for one hour, and we will have um, conversation. There's about 10 people, 10 or 12 people out of 70 that show up in, in Houston to pray. Uh, once a month, we meet upstairs and open it up to the community. I feel like this is where God wants us to go. So, and it's a little different, but if you're starting out fresh, this is, let's just start with the small one the way that we did it. So we always start with a song. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to kind of walk you with me through the pieces. Now, a prayer meeting is not a, a song festival. We love to worship and we love to sing, but we're not there to do that. And we love to study the Bible, but we study the Bible but that's not what we're there to do on Wednesday nights. I may do a teaching on prayer, but no more than five minutes. You are the coaches. If you're the minister or the prayer person that's leading this, then you are the coach. You are going to coach people in how to feel comfortable in prayer. But the king of the day is God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So we start with a song. And we're going to do that right now. I know that you all know Sweet Hour of Prayer, but this is what we do. If you have a hymnal, it's number 827. Get a hymnal. This is exactly what we do. We sit around a table, and we sing an old hymn a cappella. And somebody who can actually lead this song probably better start it. Because I cannot. Do we have a soprano in the group? It's number 827. Oh, he's got a pitch pipe? Do you have a pitch pipe? Does anybody? Okay, Randy, you got this? Just get us started. Everybody knows this. And we're starting with this because this might be one of the songs we would sing. We're not there to get down with it. We just want to tune our hearts and minds. So, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, that me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne make all does not and wishes known in seasons of distress and Sweet hour of prayer. 
we do that so that we put one voice in harmony together to focus our hearts on God. We're going to kind of try and bypass a little bit our, um, our critic and, and analysis here. We're going to go to the heart. So our prayer time has three rules, and that's it. The three rules are everybody prays, men, women, and children. Everybody prays, but you don't have to. If you're uncomfortable praying out loud, you don't have to until you're ready. The second rule of thumb is don't pray your list, don't pray long. It's like a dance where you're taking turns. You, give, you take a small turn, you step back, let somebody else pray. That's probably the biggest coaching thing because people want to drone a lot in prayer. And so we kind of coach a little bit and say, just pray just a little paragraph, three or four sentence prayer and as the Lord leads you. And then the other prayer, and this is, um, I borrowed from an Episcopal, uh, an Episcopal group. When, let's say we're in prayer in here and you want to finish your prayer, uh, you wouldn't say in Jesus' name, amen, because as, as much as we know that's the end of a prayer, that's all code for us to look up. And so what we say instead, because the prayer is still going on and you may jump back into it, is thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let's say I'm going to pray um, for, um, in the early days at Heights, we had nothing. We were lucky if we had $400 in the collection plate, and it was an old building. And so we would pray for everything. Dear God, we need round tables. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need some more people here who aren't off the street and don't have any money. We love them, but you got to send us some more people here. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Lord, we painted the hallway. What are you going to do about the rest of this building? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, these are real prayers that we were praying because we didn't have anything. There were maybe 15, 20 of us. So imagine, we are praying these prayers. And about two years into this prayer, we start praying for Matt and Angela Soper, who some of you know and love. And I had never met Matt and Angela Soper. And I knew that they were out not in ministry anymore. And that can be very difficult. So we as a church started praying for them. We didn't know them. We started praying for them. Now, I am a woman who has a pulpit and a congregation. And we don't have anything, but we love each other. And as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit started saying, I want to bring Matt Soper here. And I started smiling because I thought, oh, <laughs> that'll be a miracle. This is a man who had been at a mega church, and there's 15 of us. And, but we prayed. We prayed. And about, <laughs> I don't know, maybe two and a half, three years later, uh, a chance conversation led us to have this conversation with Matt and Angela, and they just couldn't believe, you know, it's like that conversation was pretty funny, but I remember people saying, can you afford to pay him? Oh, no. Shoot. No. That's all right. God orders, God pays. Don't forget that. If God says go up, you go up. If he says go to Hebron, pack your bags, get ready to go. 
because there's going to be something in Hebron that's going to lead to something else. And I realized that God had brought me to Heights Church of Christ, not to be the preacher, but to be the prayer warrior. And so praise God for that. So Matt came and bless his heart. He walked into the tiniest church in a library that you've ever seen. And, and it's eclectic. You know, we had people that would come in high on heroin. We had people who were on the street. And I love the way they prayed. I, I almost told you, I was going to tell you how one of them prayed. It's a, it's a little off color and this is taped, so I won't. But she was sincere and she loved the Lord. Um, and anyway, so Matt came and our church started changing. And it was exciting to me. Because we have been praying for five years, and we prayed and we shared our, our hopes. Do you not? I want this to be the takeaway. This is not another program for you all. This is not another time for, oh, we got to add another meeting. And I guarantee you, I am going to guarantee you, if you say we're going to have a prayer meeting, nobody's going to show up for it. Nobody likes to pray because it is a discipline and it takes work. So if you don't have a prayer meeting, then this is what I suggest you do. And preachers, you are the ones that do this. You are the ones that people look at and go, do they pray? Are they praying? Jim Bradford, who prayed over me, was a man of prayer. And I watched him, and so did 350 other students, and went, we want to be like that. We will show up on a Friday night to intercede and pray. We want to do what that person's doing. And so you start on Sunday, and you tell people, we are going to cultivate uh, a culture of prayer. And then you invite people to come after, after service. Nobody will come down. I guarantee you no one's going to come down, but you invite them anyway. And then you start showing people, invite people. The church um, that I stumbled into at, at Mayo Clinic, it now ha has been there as a church 25 years. It started with three people on campus praying. And Jim Bradford, he did everything. He preached well, he evangelized, and one of the kids in the dorm said, well, we could pray and so they met first, and three people prayed. Just find one person, whether one or two are gathered in his name. That's a corporate prayer. And invite your friends to come in. And the last thing I'm going to share with you, well, maybe not the last, but I want to tell you what I have learned in this past year about prayer. We've restructured how we pray because prayers were answered. We have seen people healed from stage 4 cancer. We, we have. God is good. We have seen tumors disappear. We have seen people who were healed from cancer die. Everybody's going to pass. But they had a little longer time. We have prayed for people to have jobs. And they suddenly, they, they got a job. And it doesn't take very long if you're praying with faith that people start handing you these cards. So we make it easy for people to give us um, their prayer request, because the card that I showed you, this is in every pew, you know, your name is on the front, but there's a prayer request on the back, and I, I, we probably get maybe, maybe eight or ten of these every Sunday, and I'm the keeper of the cards, and we pray over these, and what was happening was we would have 60 prayer requests every week, and my prayer warriors, I just love praying with them, they put on their hard hats, 
they came to that table and they're going to slug out those prayers and we're going to pray over every single person in this church. And God took the joy from me. And I so appreciated what Tiffany shared because what had happened, unknown to me, was that people were seeing prayers being answered and they were giving them to me to pray. And people said uncomfortable things to me like, oh, God hears you. Really? Maybe I'm just on the mountain a little bit more often. I don't know. God hears all of you. And so I step back, and there's a book by Daniel Henderson. I apologize. I, I forgot to bring it with me. But he reformatted prayer for us. And so there are four R's. If you are going to go with a prayer meeting, this is a great way to do it. The first one, always start with a song. It gets everybody using their voice at least one time. And it's beautiful. Church of Christ, beautiful. Start with a scripture. If you're the prayer leader, start with a scripture. And what you want to do for the next 15 or 20 minutes is to reflect on the beauty of the Lord. So if you start with the scripture, you kind of coach one another. Okay, um, take that scripture and start praying back to God his beautifulness. Now, people are uncomfortable praying out loud, so you, you can coach them and say, just say, thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. Jesus, you are faithful because. And as people get the prompts, they know what to do. When you stand in the presence of God and the holiness of his splendor, and I tell you, he loves to pray back with you. I just loves it. You're going to want to respond. And the response that you who will be coaching or responding would look like maybe confession. It might look like thanksgiving. It might look like a lament. It might look like uh, praises and adoration. But give people time to do this and lead that, lead out. And when we're in a small group, we don't have everybody pray at one time, but we have people take turns because with 10 people you can. When we have a bigger group like this, I would encourage you all to pray at the same time. And in the Church of Christ, that's like asking people to uh, pray to church in their pajamas. You know, it's like, I know, I'm not going to do that. It's like, no, no, just say, I thank you, God, for. And people start using their voices and they love it. So take about 15 or 20 minutes to do that, and then let your request be made known to God. So when we're in the big group, what we, have, we all know how to pray amongst each other. We pass a basket around, and we hold our cards. When we're in the big congregational group, we don't even pass the requests out until it's time. And usually, if you pass a basket in church, uh, you're asking people to put something in. I say if you get the basket... Take something out. It's your, prayer, it's your prayer assignment to pray for these people. And then we may all pray for the people quietly. Take time to lift people up and intercede for them. And then um, the last thing that we do is, uh, well, not the last thing, but the last section, is where we would ask people to pray with one another. And I have a different crowd on Wednesday nights than we do on Sunday morning. We have people who walk in off the street and people who are seeking God, and people who have been Christians, but they're not ready to go to church on Sunday morning. 
maybe they just gotten out of jail, uh, some people from another church, they see prayer meeting, they think Bible study, and we go, no, we're going to pray. And um, it's an opportunity to meet and hear their voice. They are not, there's no place for your voices on a Sunday morning. But in a prayer meeting, if I was praying with you, I would get to hear your heart in confidence. And I could come alongside, and you could come alongside me. And as a preacher, you need people to come alongside you. You're suddenly, you're the coach, but you're praying and, and sharing with your brothers and sisters. Now, this is a piece we have not done yet, and we need to think about how do we reflect on what we've just prayed. Because as incarnational Christians, we're not just taking uh, spitballs and blowing them up at the ceiling and saying, in Jesus' name, like, okay, <laughs> boom, did I hit this? Did you hear me, God? I've got to beg with you. No. He uses us because he is incarnational, and so he's in us. So there has to be a time to reflect in anything that we just prayed today. Am I a part of this answer? Are we as a church responsible for something? In the very first prayer meeting, there were six of us. And I gave people a, a, a card and a pen and said, we're going to listen to God. We want to ask him what we're supposed to do. Because I don't know, and he does. A three out of the six people wrote down PTSD. Now, that's odd. That's what they thought they heard. I didn't even know what it was at the time. And the second thing was feed people. Well, you know what? When God tells me to do something, I don't go around asking for something else. So I went and I learned about PTSD. And then little did I know that we would have a massive ripping in our congregation because of PTSD. We had people that were Vietnam vets. We had people off the street. And I, I listened and I learned. I didn't have to know. That's the beauty of prayer. You don't have to know. You can be directed. And the other thing was feed people. We started serving breakfast. We had a lot of homeless people. So we made breakfast, and that's what we did. Do we do that now? No. But David didn't stay in Hebron either. That was a stop while he was just a king, a part of the tribe of Judah before he became king of Israel. So we always end with the Lord's Prayer together. Matt always leads us in the Lord's Prayer. I start us. We ask certain people to do certain things. We'll ask people, if you have a scripture, read it out loud. No commentary, just read it, because we want the Spirit to feed us with it. And at the end, we will say the Lord's Prayer together. And I considered us doing that together today, but what I'd rather do is bless you with a different prayer For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith 
And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Thank you for your time. Thank you.